I want to talk to you about a cultivated heart. A cultivated heart. Uh, what does it mean to have a life that's productive and propagating with God? A life that God can use. Uh, there are two types of people in the world, I believe today, maybe even in this room. There are people who love diet and exercise, and then there's everybody else who's normal. Uh, there's, there's people who like that, and then there's normal people. And so, you know, no matter where you find yourself on the spectrum of, uh, you know, diet and exercise and being healthy, and I know I'm talking about this right after Thanksgiving, right? So, uh, you know, we're all, yeah, I'm going to diet before Christmas, you know, got to get it back down. You know, you, wherever you find yourself, I'm conscious about it or not, we all can know that you can measure physical health in a, in a, in a way. So let me say, uh, you can measure how much food I intake, how many calories, you can count calories, some of y'all like that, uh, Atkins diet, or no carb diet, I count my carbs, count my calories, so you can measure that, how much I eat, I can measure how much time I spend or don't spend on the treadmill, or how many push-ups, I can measure how many sit-ups I do, I can measure it, and then I can measure whether or not the results work, right? You can say, oh, I tried that diet, it didn't work until I, you know, and then I try another diet, then I try another one, and I try the next latest one, and we're always trying new things, and determining which works or doesn't work, and how much effort you could put in. Physical health is measurable, but what about spiritual health? What about spiritual self? How healthy is your spiritual self, and how healthy is your spiritual heart. When you get older in life, you start, uh, maybe when you're younger, it's all about strength and being ripped and having abs and things like that. And all these young guys on the football team, they want to be buff. And, but when you get older, you're like, I just need to have the Kellogg's frost, you know, non-frosted flakes. I just need the Cheerios. That's what they say, keep my heart healthy, right? And so I can just focus on heart health. I don't need abs anymore, right? I'm older. I don't need that. They are, she already married me. You know, <laughs> I'm stuck with her. She's stuck with me for life. So who cares? You know, like you can focus on heart health when you get older. But what about your spiritual heart? Well, how do you measure the spiritual health of your spiritual heart? You see, the problem is spiritual health is a lot harder to measure, and it's a lot harder to change. You see, the spiritual self, the only, only people who can see that is you and God. Amen. It's just you and God. You know, I, but it's, it's so easy to ignore that spiritual heart. One, it's like uh, when you diet and you don't want to look in the mirror, you know, to kind of fear that you didn't change what you were dieting or, you know, I didn't work or, not, or anything. But it was spiritual self, it's the same way. I look in the mirror. Like sometimes we don't even want to look in the mirror or take the time to slow down, to take a moment and say, how am I doing really? How is my spiritual heart really doing? What have I been putting in to my spiritual heart and how healthy is my spiritual heart? How, when's the last time I looked in the mirror? I think if we are honest and I've been thinking about this all week, is, is there a place in my heart that is off limits with God? I think if we're very honest, all of us, all of us could say, there's a line that I've drawn with God. There's a place, a door, a lock, a key. There's some area, a, a junk drawer of my heart that I say, God, I really haven't let you clean out that place. I haven't really let you touch that place. I haven't let you work on that place. There's places in our heart that we can say, no, uh, I don't want to go there. I'm not ready to work on that area, or maybe I don't even know how. If we're honest, we have that place that's off limits to the Holy Spirit. And I think as God starts to work it on your heart, He's like, hey, let's work on this area together. I'm going to be your coach. You can say, no, I really can't believe that about myself, God. I, I don't, I'm not that special, Lord. I don't, I don't really deserve your kind of love in that spot of my heart. 
I really can't believe that. Or maybe I, I can't really believe God would accept the real me. If all the things fell away and they got to the heart of me, I don't know if he would accept me or not. Or maybe you might say, and I've heard this, I don't really want to give that up. I'm not really ready to lose control of that area of myself. Or no, I can't admit that if that's true. That would require too much of me. Or maybe I can't forgive them quite yet. They've hurt me too much. God, I'm not really ready to let you in there to that secret place because I don't know what might happen if I let you in there. I don't know who I'd be if I gave God that part of me. I did that many years ago, and I'm still doing it every, every day, every week. Years ago, I was a very inward, self-controlled, negative, pessimistic person who refused to be emotional with God, refused to raise my hands in public, refused to sing out loud. I came to church and did all the churchy things. I grew up in a very church family. But there was a moment where I had to let God into the most deepest place of all my insecurity, all my pride, all my shame, all my guilt, all the control that I had for my life. And when God went to that deepest place, I became a completely different person. There is something God wants to do in each and every one of us. And my question for myself today is, God, is there anything that's keeping me from being more healthy with you? Is there anything that I'm keeping from you and I don't even know it? Is there a place that you want to get to? Proverbs 4, 23 says, Watch over your heart with all diligence. We know guard your heart, maybe. King James, watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. That means to preserve, to keep, to maintain, to protect. It means to keep your heart from evil because if your heart is the real you, your heart is the real life, the heart is the innermost part of you, the thing that's going to continue to go into eternity with you. And Jesus would say those who don't care for it, they're going to find that it easily grows all sorts of things. Mark, he said, it can grow sexual immorality and theft and murder, which is hate, adulteries, which is lust, coveting, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, ignorance. He says, all those things come from within the heart of man. And so how important is it, God, how healthy is my heart? What has my heart been cultivating? What is my heart producing? How have I been truly dealing with? with the inner me, the real me, in the mirror that nobody else can see but me and God. Is there any place that I haven't really wanted to go to that mirror and look at with God? I can see the amens are flooding. How healthy is your heart? You see, God's kingdom grows naturally in a cultivated and a cleared heart. That's what I want to talk about. God's kingdom grows naturally in a cultivated and cleared heart. Somebody say cultivated. cultivated. And somebody say cleared. cleared. All right, Matthew chapter 7, or sorry, Matthew chapter 13, verse 3. Matthew 13, verse 3. I'm going to tell you about the parable of the sower and the soils. So, Matthew 13, verse 3, and here's what it says in the New American Standard. And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road. And the birds came and ate them up. And others fell on the rocky places where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen and they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. And others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear... Let him hear. Now, the disciples didn't quite understand that. They didn't have the spiritual ears on. So he explained it in verse 18. So he says, here, here it is. 
Here's the parable of the sower. Here's what it means. Verse 19. Anyone who hears the word of the kingdom and doesn't understand it, it's like when the evil one comes, snatches away what's been sown in his heart. This is the one whose the seed was sown beside the road. Then there's the one whom the seed was sown on the rocky places. This is the man who hears the word, immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no firm root in himself. It's only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. And then there's the one whom the seed was sown among the thorns. This is the man who hears the word, the worries of the world, though, and the deceitfulness of wealth choke out the word. It becomes unfruitful. And then there's the one whom the seed was sown on good soil. This is the man who hears the word, understands it, and indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. So what is he talking about? So in the uh, ancient world, uh, the harvest season was a little different than us. So in about November, uh, we would see, right before November, there would be what we'd call the early rain. All right, because there are seasons on the other side of the world. It's backwards. So there would be the early rain about November. It would saturate the soil enough, the desert region, so that the farmer could get a plow and till up the saturated soil. So it got saturated. He tilled it. Then he would get his donkey and put on it a bag of seed, and he would walk with his donkey and throw liberally the grain. As he threw it, it would go wherever. They didn't have, have to have rows for grain. And there would be uh, trails between his fields, some with ditches and thorns, but it would mark the boundary, and those would be the paths. And as his donkey was following him, and he was throwing the seed liberally, perhaps if he was wealthy enough, a servant with an ox would come back behind him and flip the soil back over, and then it would go in. Then it would plant and grow, and about, maybe about March, there would become something called the latter rain, the late rain. And that late rain would boost that grain right before it was harvested. So there's early rain, late rain, and you can kind of get the picture. So Jesus said this seed is the good news of God's kingdom. It's the gospel, the good news of God's kingdom. It is the life and light of man, he said in John. It is the, the word of God made flesh. It is the kingdom of God has come to rule and reign in the heart of man. That's the kingdom of God. It's the rule, the realm, and the reign of God living in a person. It's where God dwells, his habitation. And where he dwells, he's in control. He has authority. He has power. And it's his dominion. That's, where he, that's the kingdom of God. He said that kingdom has come to be planted in the heart of man. That's the soil. This kingdom grows naturally in cultivated and cleared hearts. It's ready to go. And it will not just produce a plant like grain, but it will propagate and spread its seeds. So that's when you know your, your fruit's ready, right? It's, it's grown and it has seeds to replicate itself. And that is the goal of this farmer, to produce a harvest that replicates itself. And so Jesus is asking us four questions here. Is my heart truly cultivated for God to produce something and propagate his glory through me? Is there anything in my heart, listen to me, is there anything in my heart, in your heart, hindering me from God using me more? Think about that just for a minute. Is there anything in your heart? I know there's stuff in my heart. I'm a pastor. Is there anything in your heart? What is it? that's hindering God from using you more. So he says the first soil, it's going to take him in order. The first soil is the hard soil. He said this is like that, that path between the fields. The path between the fields that's not cultivated, it's not been tilled up, and the seed was liberally given because he's a great gracious God, and he liberally gives it, but it falls on a soil that's not cultivated, so it doesn't 
permeate the soil. He said, this is like when uh, that hard-hearted, John said, he said, there are people who love the darkness rather than the light. There are those who are, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians, that the God of this age, the devil, has blinded the minds of unbelieving hearts, and they can't see the light of God. They don't have the heart of faith to take the Word of God in, and it just simply bounces off of them. How do you know, you know people like that? Maybe you tried to witness to your family for years, and you're like, it just does not get in their head. I don't know why they don't get it. And they go in and out of this, and in and out of drugs, or in and out of this, or in and out of that, back and forth in relationships. I'm like, how come you can't get this? Well, their heart hasn't been cultivated yet. You see, you have to allow the reign of the Holy Spirit first to saturate. The Bible says no one can come to the Father unless the Spirit draws him. And unless that rain permeates that soil and saturates it, and then there has to come a plowing. We're going to call that repentance. That's the tilling up of the soil so that that person can be ready to receive the Word of God. And he said there are some people the devil is working, uh, I believe all people, he's working tirelessly to keep their soil hard. How can he do that? Well, one way is that that heart has been put continually in all the wrong places. It's been walked on by the world. Man, it's a heart that keeps going after wrong relationships, and that relationship just walk on them. A person who's been burned by trust, maybe even burned by the church. A person who's put their self out there and all the habits and behaviors and the thoughts of the world. They've consumed all the worldly entertainment they could ever muster. They've watched all the worldly things they could ever have, and the world has just been trampling on them. See, it's a wide path, Jesus says, is to destruction, but a narrow path to life. And that wide path, it's so easy to let yourself be walked on and find hurt and offense and you hold on to it. And there's nothing that can break through that until you allow the Holy Spirit to permeate that place and allow God's seed to be cultivated in you. Somebody say, Amen. So this is what the devil does. And when that seed even lies on that hard place, just in case, just in case, it might even get through. The devil comes and he snatches it away and says, No, don't believe that. No, that's a lie. Don't believe. You don't need that. You don't need to go to there. You don't need to go to church. You don't need to read your Bible. You don't need to believe that. Don't listen to that thing. Just go on with what you're doing. And this is the walked on life. It's, hard, it's easy to become hard when your life's been walked all over by the world. You've placed it in the wrong places. You've given it to the wrong things and the wrong people. But God is so gracious, He gives the seed anyway. That's the hard heart. Well, the second is the shallow heart. This is my saddest probably passage in all the New Testament to me as a pastor. The shallow heart, he says, this is the one that's like, uh, it's got cultivated, it's a fertile soil, and, but in, in, in Israel, much of the hills are kind of rocky. So what happens is when that plow goes through, they, maybe the servants would come behind and move the rocks out. But Israel's got so many rocks, and even places where the dirt is shallow, despite how fertile the soil is, uh, there's places where you can't really go very deep. And so this, this sometimes would require a servant to come with a pickaxe. And if the plow couldn't get through, they'd get that pickaxe. And if you've ever had to do that before, you know, you, you're digging it all out. And it takes a lot of extra work because there's a hard place there. It says, Jesus says, some hearts will be shallow. And when the seed is planted, the roots can only go so deep. So this is like this. There are those who will quickly accept Christ. Uh, the gospel seed begins to grow. Maybe you get touched by sermon. You start attending church. You start reading your Bible. You start praying. Man, you're, man, you're ready. Man, this is the best thing. I can't believe it. I've been waiting on this my whole life. And then six months later, I never see you again. Why? What happened? Six months later, a year later, I've even seen people be in church for years. And all of a sudden, they're back into who they were before they've ever met Christ. What happened? What happened? When problems came, they returned to who they were. 
Why? You see, their heart couldn't give the Word of God the space that it needed. Their heart, when problems arose, there was a thing that God was wanting to go down deep into their soul, and He hit a rocky place. Their faith came to a rocky uh, place. And when that rock was there, there's no further that Word of God could go deeper into their heart. When that problem came, their faith only went so deep. It was an area of their heart they didn't let God continue to cultivate. Maybe it was something early on they didn't let Him remove, whether with the plow or the pickaxe. It was a place they said no to the Holy Spirit because maybe we just wanted that easy, quick, shallow fix for God. Man, it's good to, man, I just want God to bless me. I'm going to get out of this. I'm going to say no to drugs and no to sex and no to this. And I'm going to go to church and pay my tithes. Let me tell you something. It doesn't stop there. Man, this life of repentance is not just a one-time thing. It's a daily thing where the Holy Spirit and God, uh, the Word of God, begin to meet in the deep place. Listen to this. You see, what happens is when that rain of that Holy Spirit begin to go down and saturate, that rain would hit that water table at a certain place, and it would sit there, and that seed began to plant, that Word of God began to grow down deep. And if it would maneuver around all the rocky places in our heart, it would tap in, to that supply. You see, there's got to be a secret place in your heart where the Word of God and the Spirit of God meet. There's got to be a place in the devotional time where you and God find a deep secret place where He can say, let me remove all the hidden things, the ugly things, the rocky things, the dead things, and there is a place where I want to make some life. Come on, somebody. There are places that have been dead in your heart for years. Even at, you're saved, you love God, but there's got to be continual removal and that Word of God's going to go down deep. And unless that Word finds the Holy Spirit, you'll find dead. Nothing but dead things. You see, that drought's going to come, and that Word has nothing to supply it. You see, you can put on all the religious you want. You can memorize all the Bible verses. You can go to church. You can pay your tithes. You can do all the religious things. The Pharisees knew all the Bible. They put it on their heads. They had tassels. They fasted three times a week. They, they prayed three times a day. And yet they knew the Word, but they had no spirit. They knew the letter of the law, but not the spirit of the law. You see, you've got to have more than just Bible knowledge. You've got to have an encounter with the living God every single day. Every single day. You see, maybe it's there's some, something in your life as, as tough as life can get sometimes, as dry as it can get. That means the deeper you've got to let the Word of God go. The drier my life gets, the tougher it gets, the deeper I've got to let the Holy Spirit, uh, the, the Word of God go down into the deep, dark places of my heart and say, God, find me some life. God, give me some nutrients. Find something. God, I don't know how to get through this situation. I don't know, I don't know what to do in this, this season. I don't know how to make it through this season. I don't have the sustenance in myself. Holy Spirit, would you just saturate the depths of my soul? Word of God, would you just go down deep? God, if you find a rock that gets in the way, something ugly, something old, something dirty, something unclean, would you remove that thing and create life in a dead space? create life in a hollow spot in my heart. If you want to make it through dry seasons in this Christian life, you need the reign of the Holy Spirit Amen. to go to the deep places and give the Word of God supply. Do you have a secret place in your heart where the Word of God and the Spirit meet to grow? Of all the people, and I'm talking to Beth about this this week, of all the, of all the I could go, I, I could list you a hundred names over 15 years of full-time ministry, I could list you a hundred names of people that I think about. I'm like, whatever happened to so-and-so? Where did they go? They looked promising. There was something. I saw life in them. There was something that I thought, man, this guy's got potential. This lady's got potential. And they came in and then gone. 
You've got to have a secret place with God that gets you through the darkest times. Next is this, is the crowded life, the crowded heart. So you've got the hard heart, the shallow heart, the crowded heart. The crowded heart, it was the cultivated and cleared land. It was, it was plowed. It was good. It, it, but yet this heart was on the edge of the field. And when you, you know this, in Louisiana, we've got, uh, we have roundup upon roundup upon roundup. We've got all kinds of things. We've got things that just burn fence posts. I mean, you know, like, because the, the thorns and thistles are here. I don't know if it was just more curse fell over into the, the you know, the, the thorns of Louisiana. But, I mean, these weeds take over, you know, like, and so they say, we'll cultivate it, but what happens? That seed of that thorn is still in there somewhere. Even if you till it up, if you haven't got to the root of it, it's still there. And so what happens was they cultivated it. And on the edge of the field, those thorny seeds were still in there. And as they both began to grow, both grew together. But what happens? Any space you give to this world will choke out anything else. John said, don't love the things of this world or the things it offers you. When you love the world, you don't have the love of the Father in you. And the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, craving for everything we see, pride in our achievements and our possessions. He says, this isn't from the Father, but it's from the world. And this world so easily fading away along with everything that its people crave. But the one who does what pleases God will live forever. Maybe you know it, King James, the lust of the flesh, flesh the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. These are the three things. The three sins of all sins. All sin because it's, is put together in the lusts of the flesh, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. And that's really what Jesus says right here. He says there's this curse. Thorns were a part of the curse. God made this beautiful garden, but we brought in the curse. And the curse is what makes life hard. It's what makes uh, God's purpose difficult for you. Adam had, hey, cultivate the world. All right, God, but here's the thorns. It's going to make this purpose hard for you. Your purpose is to cultivate God's kingdom, but thorns come, and it makes it hard. It, it pricks you. It hurts. It's painful. It's difficult. And the thorns of this life are the things that keep you from fulfilling the purpose God has for you. And Jesus says, this is the worries of the world, the deceit of riches, the desires for other things, worries of the world. What is that? It's, what is everybody worried about in this life? Do they love me? Ah. Do, do they like me? I want so many likes on this post of Facebook. I, on this post of it, do they like me? I need validation. I need somebody to hug me. I need someone to want me. I need to know that I'm loved. I want to know if I've made enough. Maybe, uh, maybe if I'll do more. Am, maybe should I do more? Or am I even enough? Man, people in this world, they're, they're worried about all these things. Do I have enough to retire? Do I, do I, are we enough in my marriage? Does she love me? Does he love me? Do they like me? Maybe what do, what do people think about me? All the worries of this life, do I measure up? The deceit of riches, even Paul said to Timothy, he said, guys, don't you understand? Riches are going to only give you more temptation. The love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. And that's many people who have longed for it, have wandered away from the faith, and they've pierced themselves with many griefs. See that piercing? They've pierced themselves with a thorn of the desire for riches. And Jesus even said, those who desire this wealth of this world, well, few of them will even able to be entered the kingdom of God. Why? Because there's the worries of the world, the deceit of riches, the desire for other things. That's the desire to find entertainment. Man, we are an entertainment-driven world. Man, just social media and movies and TV. There's, a, there's six box office movies coming out every week, and we fill ourselves with screens and screens and screens time, and, and uh, nobody reads books anymore. I don't know what happened. But, you know, like, we, we just desire to be entertained, and we desire to just rest. I don't know why we're so tired. We've got microwaves and dishwashers and laundry things, but yet everybody's more tired. Now, than the, I'm, I'm only 37 years old. There are more tired people now on the 
in the history of the world. Man, we don't work till 12, uh, you know, like we don't work 12 hour days in the sun in the garden anymore, most of us, but, but yet we're tired. Why does everybody want to go on vacation? We got everything in the world at our homes. We are the most tired, uh, overwhelmed, anxious. Why? Because it's the worries of this world, the deceit of riches, the desires for other things. It makes your purpose harder. That's why no one takes Sabbaths and gets true rest. True rest comes from finding your purpose in God. Jesus said, this will make your joy full, right? Your joy full is when you produce things for God. Amen. When you produce things for God, your joy is full. The only way you're going to find rest in this life is rest in Jesus. He's the Lord of the Sabbath. You see, any space in your heart given to the things of this world will eventually choke out space for God's kingdom. It's like a cursed weed. A cursed weed comes into this uh, father's heart. And because his heart is unkept, man, it begins to come in. And before you know it, that daily prayer and worship time, that daily prayer and Bible reading time becomes a weekly prayer and Bible time. Then it becomes a monthly. Then it comes a sometime, maybe. I'll watch somebody's shared meme about a Bible verse, and I'll think about God. And then it becomes, oh, we're going to get our family to church every week. And, and then that, cur that curse becomes part entertainment and desire and worldly things and worries of the world, have enough, be enough, build enough, want enough, am I liked enough? And all that things become to come in. And when it went weekly church attendance, went to bi-monthly church attendance, went to monthly church attendance, went to sometimes church attendance, went to I see you on Easter and Christmas church attendance. And then the, the things that's worse, the, the, the worst part about the curse of a tangled heart, the curse of an unkept heart, is that before long this thorn doesn't spread from the father, but it spreads to the mother, then it spreads to the kids, and before you know it, your teenagers have never set foot in kids' church or a youth group, and they've gone off to college, and the world tells them who they should be, and what they should believe, and where they should go, and what it means to be successful, and find true love and identity and purpose. Man, it's a cultivated heart, a clearing, a space around my heart and say, Mom and Dad, set your boundaries say, the world will not come past this point. I can be in the world but not of the world. But there is a boundary marker of Roundup I'm going to spray around my family. And any worldly thing that comes in here, I will kill it. Because it is going to choke out my kids. It's going to choke out my family. It's going to choke out my marriage. That's the tragedy. The thorns spread into the family. The children never find God. People begin to lose influence with their friends and influence with their co-workers. Have you cultivated the rocky things out and have you cleared a space for God's heart? And lastly, is this the productive heart. You see, this is the fruitful and productive heart. You see, the gospel seed naturally grows in good soil and because your heart was made, listen to me, your heart was made for God's kingdom. Your heart was made for this. This is what you were made for. God says, I'm going to give you what you lost and what you were made for. You thought that you were here to tend this world, but your heart was the garden God wanted with Adam and Eve. Hey, God didn't care if Adam and Eve were in, a, in a, a mountaintop or a Garden of Eden. That's great. But what he really wanted was to keep their heart. He wanted to cultivate their heart, and that was the garden that God cherished the most. In John 15, Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you'll produce what? Much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You see, you were made for God's kingdom to be planted in you, permeate through you, and propagated through your life. Anything else is less. God planted me. 
God, permeate to the deepest part of me. Holy Spirit, meet the word of God there. Remove any dead, rocky things. Fill that void in my heart with life. The, the ways I used to think, the ways I used to feel, the things I used to want, the things that my parents did or didn't do to me, the things that people uh, you know, backstabbed me, the ways I used to think about love, the ways I used to think about money. God, take those dead things. There's things that we've learned in our lives from how we've seen our parents, from the entertainment we put into ourselves, from how we lived a life, a broken life, and now you come to Jesus. Just, just because you got saved doesn't mean God's not done working on you. You've got to go to that deep place say, God, I need to really change how I feel when someone makes me angry. I really need to change how I, how I deal with stressful situations and have patience in all things and long-suffering like you did on the cross. God, I need to find out really how I viewed love because I've only seen it viewed from how I saw my broken parents love one another. God, I need to find that place, and I can't do it. I'm not big enough. Even though I'm your pastor, counselors, you couldn't pay enough money to because that thing is only able to be done by God alone. And he says, when you get to that place in this good soil and it's removed the rocks, you've cultivated the ground. He said, there is something that's supernatural going to happen in you. A cultivated heart and a cleared heart will naturally begin to produce the kingdom of God. You see, there's natural talents and spiritual gifts God's given you. Some of you are great at football. Some of you are great at changing oil. Some of you guys can build stuff with your eyes closed. Some of you guys can sing and you can administrate. Some of you have the gift of helps and encouragement. Some of you are just overly nice, you know, and that's, that's a gift from God. Some people are just generous. There are so many gifts. God's put those in you because he wants to do something specific through you. He said there's some in the soil. You see, the quality of the soil reflects the quantity of the produce. Well, how, how healthy that soil is and the nutrients of that soil reflects the harvest. Those of you who are gardeners know this. How healthy the soil is, what's the pH, what's the nitrogen, the phosphate, how, how healthy that is, it'll give you a bigger harvest. And Jesus says the same thing. There are some people he's given gifts and talents to. He says, even in the parable of the talents, he said, some have little and some have much. But it's really not a comparison game. He says, in the parable of the talents in Matthew, he says, there are some who received a few, but they came to the Father and they said, but we've doubled it. You have gave me 10, I give you back 20. Or you gave me 50, I give you back 100. Or I give you, you gave me 100, I give you back 200. He says, you are a good and faithful servant. Even in this passage, he says, there are some fruit, there are some soils that are going to produce a big harvest and some a small harvest. But here's the thing, the kingdom of God, it expects a harvest in you. It does. It doesn't expect the seed back. And when he gives you a talent or a gift, he doesn't just expect that talent or gift back. He expects a harvest. He expects for every person in the a parable of the talents, they all doubled it. Whether it was 10 or 20 or 100, they doubled it. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter in the joy of your master. But to the one servant who said, well, I gave you back what you gave me. You gave me a seed, here's a seed. You gave me a talent, here's a talent. I coming back with that, he says, you lazy, worthless slave. Pull, throw this guy out into the outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Why? He says, don't you understand? I'm a God who reaps where I didn't even sow. This thing I gave you was supernatural. It wasn't supposed to be your work. It was supposed to be my work. And if you allow me to do my work in you, I always produce a harvest everywhere I plant. Everywhere I do the work, I always see results. And if you're the one doing it, that's going to be on you. But when I do it, Father says, I always produce a harvest. 
You see, the kingdom of God, if it is in you, it will harvest through you. Those who produce nothing found out they were no Christian at all. What is spiritual fruit? It's holiness. It's the fruitful character of Christ, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and all the ones that Paul lists in Galatians 5. It's good works in Colossians. It's evangelizing in Romans. It's a sharing with others in hospitality. All the things that make us like Christ. He says, if I don't see that multiplying, if I don't see that growing and spreading, not just in your life, you see that seed when planted in the Word of God meets the Holy Spirit in your heart, your heart is designed for the kingdom of God to grow naturally. And as it begins to grow by the power of the Holy Spirit, not a work of man, but a work of God, it begins to come and, and push, push through the soil, and that seed begins to multiply and grow, and it goes into maturity. And when it gets to maturity, it produces another seed. That's how nature works. If it doesn't work, then what do we go to? Man, that heart really ain't right. That soil just ain't right. If I go out to my garden, and Brother Ron, and we talk gardening stuff all the time, and we're like, man, our squash just really didn't produce this year, we know there was a problem. Because if I plant a squash, it should produce more than one squash. And if it only produced one squash, it's like, oh, that really wasn't great. I need to put some stuff in the soil this year. Or maybe there's a problem with the sun, the water, whatever it is. But I expect when I produce that, I put that in there and I water it and I grow it and the sun comes and everything is right, I expect it to do what it was made to do. And you were made to make a harvest. You were made for the kingdom of God to be in you. So here's the question I close. If the gospel's in you, it should be spreading through you and on to others. My question to myself is, and of all those I weep and pray and think of, all those who profess faith and begin in this church life, are there any rocks that God needs to cultivate out of my heart? Are there any thorns that need to be cleared? Is there a secret place where the Word and Spirit meet and create life in a dead space in my heart? How healthy is my heart? What's keeping God from producing more through me? I'm going to be honest. There are things in this uh, Christian life that I have really found to be hard. Sometimes it's talking to strangers. Sometimes it's fasting. Sometimes it's holding my tongue. Uh, for those married couples, you know what I'm talking about? You know? Sometimes it's turning other cheek and letting things go. There are times that things are really hard. In those moments, I have to learn to not rely on Heath Harris and my natural tendency to want to do how I want to do things, but to say, God, there's got to be something supernatural on the inside of me. And Lord, maybe my life isn't produ producing all that it's supposed to be producing. Maybe I'm not witnessing like I should be witnessing. Maybe I'm not joyful like I should be joyful. Maybe I'm not persevering like I should be persevering. Or maybe I really got to work on patience. I really got to deal with some secret sin. You're not going to be able to do that, but God can do that through you. All you have to do is say, God, here's a cultivated heart. God, here's a cleared heart. I'm creating space for you to grow in me. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me? Does God have space in you to do what he wants to do? Does he have space in you to do what he wants to do. We all have an area that we want God to grow deeper into. It is a lifelong journey. It doesn't stop. Is there any place 
any place in my heart, God, where you need to go and take something out. I don't know, wherever you are with Jesus, saved, unsaved, wherever you're at right now, I want you just to begin examining your heart. What have you been cultivating lately? What's your heart been set on and producing? How healthy is your spiritual heart? Have you found yourself angry a lot? Impatient a lot? Captive to lustful thoughts? Concerned with money and maybe concerned with if people like you, if you're good enough, if you're pretty enough, if you, people love you? Concerned with all this worldly stuff, you say, God, I, I can't do this. You see, he promised in Ezekiel, and he said, chapter 36, I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a new heart of flesh. I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. You'll be careful to do what I say. Lord, would you create a clean heart in me? Father, would you look down on the inside and, and I just want to open my heart up to you and expose any...